Hey y'all, I'm Erin Bagwell. And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, Meryl Streep screaming is our forever mood. I will not not be rich. And the men are just happy to be here. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television. The glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Talk. Ayo. Good rendition there. Of? You're screaming, I will not not be rich. I, my acting chops are above and beyond. Maybe and you can just... text Justin Thoreau about it and get some tips. <laughs> or just go right I'm... to Laura Dern and say, if I were to reenact this scene. Here's how I would do what it. What was your motivation? Right. Where did you get that from? What did you channel? Hmm. I'd like, to, I'd like to know. You never know an actor's method, you know? I know. It could come from so many different places. And it could also come from nowhere, and they're just really good at faking it. You know, it could be good direction. They got David E. Kelly on set, pulling the strings. Making her yell at whatever. Getting that magic going. Whatever Could be a safe set. Could feel everyone's comfortable. Could be a culture. Oh, I think that's for sure a thing on this set. When, you know, your executive producers are Reese and Nicole Kidman, I mean... <gasps> kind of energy is flowing with these gals. Can we take a minute to just say how long this episode has been coming for? Well, it's funny because I was remembering, remember the first season, which is what we're going to talk about and that, you know, in this season and, and the series as a whole, but remember we did a live stream in my apartment yes. after the finale because we were like, we got to take it to the people because this is important. And I don't think, I think we streamed it on, my Facebook page? Yeah, your Facebook. Did anyone listen to us? No. Is anyone listening? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but we've been doing the work of the show for quite a while. And Sal was a part of it because Sal oh, yeah. was keeping up with it. Sure. Oh, man. we were That was really our first unofficial Beaver Talk episode. Absolutely. And we were just bop, bop, bopping on the finale. We I'll were see seeing... if I can find it. It was dangerous. Maybe we could do a little clip action. Yeah, I mean, it was dangerous to like be watching the finale while we're live streaming, because that is a very intense finale for well, the first season. we did it after. We did it right after, right? Yeah, we did it right after. Literally, the credits were still rolling, and we just went live. We to went the right in. We went to the people. We went to the masses. But yeah, it was really. I think this series has like captured us in a way that not a lot of other series have. You know, I'm sure I've talked on this podcast before about my obsession with Ally McBeal. Have I? Uh, maybe I knew about it, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, so there was a summer where I watched 43 discs of the Allie McBeal season in its entirety. How old were you? 21. Were you working? Sure. You were? You no, know, I mean, working, I, it was the year I graduated college okay. and I moved home and like floated for a year and was like, should I move to New York? Should I not? Are we going to live in Buffalo? What am I doing? Got it. So I was working part-time at the toy store and doing freelance and watching a lot of Allie McBeal. binging Allie McBeal <laughs> for a whole summer. Holy shit. I don't think I've seen a frame of it. <sighs> wow. Well, we had talked a little bit earlier just off mic about Fleabag and the, and the, the breath of 
the way that pulls from the Sex and the City, the Bridget Jones, Ally McBeal is such a foundational show for the way women talk to each other, I think, on camera, the workplace kind of intimacies that happen. I mean, David E. Kelly is such a master at really unfolding these really intimate moments, but also there's something so private about the characters too, that it's all coming to play in this really beautiful polarity. But I think it's worth, it'd be interesting to watch it now. I mean, I was so young watching it, but it was, and just breezed through 43 discs. Breezed. I don't know what to say about that. And, um, 43 discs. So this would have been when, okay, so this would have been when uh, a season was like 27 episodes. Oh, yeah. And it went on for like 12 episodes, 12 seasons or something ridiculous. I mean, this was a behemoth undertaking. Did somebody pay you for this? Not at all, guys. I am doing the work. You are. I used to do the work. You're doing the work. I'm doing the work right now. But anyway, there's a lot of, he's he's a television mastermind in a lot of ways. And I think we're seeing, Hold up. Yeah. Did David E. Kelly create Ali McBeal? He was one of the, yeah, the writers. Oh, directors. my God. I thought you were just telling us. Oh, you this. think we're just, just, <laughs> just Ali McBealing it? I just thought you were waxing poetic about Ali McBeal as a way to transition into Big Little Lies no, to talk I'm about saying, how women interact with each other. I'm saying that ah. is playing a lot here in the way. And I see being Reese Witherspoon, I say I, David E. Kelly gets it. Got it. Bring him on board. Diana Matthews gets it. Like, <laughs> Like, let's make it happen. That's so cool. Oh, I mean, he's done um, trillions of, I mean, the whole, like, um, political drama. I mean, like, he's done five of those. You know, there's he's got such a breadth of work. But yeah, yeah. That's Amazing. what I know him best for, is my intense relationship with Ally McBeal. Oh, I love that. Which, now that I said the sex did, sorry, but I just have to have this on the record publicly. What they did with, um, oh my God, my baby brain. She's doing it. She's so, thinking about it. Use the, all the other words. All right. So you know the the Good Wife. Yes. With the whole. Did you watch the Good Wife? First season, only because of Chris Noth. Well, anyway, they. That's a good reason to watch it. When they fought, her relationship with her lover falls apart and he dies in the courtroom. They stole that entire plot line from Alan McBeal. It's the exact same thing. It's like a whole, like talking about taking from the past. I mean, it was like carbon copy. Man, I like just to, we need to know our history. So I just want to put that out there. It's so important. I mean, I feel like I'm such a pop culture junkie that I'm always like reminded and humbled by how much of pop culture I don't know. Mm. And I feel like there's a whole, I don't know anything about The Good Wife. I don't know anything about Ally McBeal. I've never seen The West Wing. Like, there's just huge chapters of pop culture that I'm, like, out of it on. Mm-hmm. But then there's other stuff that I totally know. So I love this because it helps put into context something well, that's why that, I'm here, Diana. We're overlapping. We're, we're filling gaps. You are teaching I mean, me. and to be fair, Ally McBeal was not of my generation either. I missed it, and so I just went back and no, did the yeah. work. No, yeah, you like went back and like caught yourself my, up because John Caldwell watched had the oh. disc set, so he said, "Get into it." And I, I said, "Great, that. I will." So anyway, Big Little Lies, such uh, we're, we're talking about this iconic moment in TV history. Um, one of the things that I did a little research about was, you know, this introduction, obviously, of Meryl 
to this series. And I have so many fun stories to share about her involvement, which is essentially that they were like, do you want to be on this show? And she didn't read a page. Uh-huh. She was like, of course I do. It's the greatest show on TV right yeah. now. Like, yeah, yeah. no question. Sign me up. Yeah. And Reese and Nicole were like, this is never going to happen. And actually, the author of the books that the series were written by, they were like, can you do, would you, what do you think about a season two? Because everyone was like, season two, season two. And David E. Kelly was like, ah, we're, I don't think, do we have a story to tell? So they went to the author and said, do you have any ideas? Yeah. And she was like, let me think about it. Nobody wanted to do this season two, by the way. I still don't want them to be doing this season, and I'm the biggest fan of the show. So. Right. So the author was basically like, you know, I don't really have any ideas, but you could do something about the mother. And I don't really know, but you could do this. And if I cast it, it would be Meryl. So they, she actually wrote Mary Louise, which is Meryl Streep's real name. Did you know this? What? So she wrote it for Meryl, and she wrote that as a wink to Meryl of like, I want you to play this. We're going to name the character after you in your real name. I just got full body chills. So nobody on the cat, nobody in the production team knew that that was Meryl's real name. And so they sent like the, the cosmic energy of like the, the intention, the, the author being like, I want Meryl because her sister, the author's sister was like, have it be so fun. Like write it for somebody that you really like. If you're right. going to write it, have so much fun. Like who would be an iconic person? Who's your dream person? Because they were all like, do we need to do this? And then they were like, oh, yeah, we do. This is amazing. Yeah, and I think that that's something coming into season two that, you know, there was no nobody who was less of a supporter of season two than I was. We've talked about it on this podcast previously. Right. Because I just felt that season one was so perfect. Yeah. And when season two is happening, I'm like, when something is so successful, what are you going to not continue it? Like, what are we going to do here? And the fans were begging for a season two. Uh-huh. And... And Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon were both like, no, no, no. Like, we did it. It's done. Like, done and dusted. This is not happening. And then they got Meryl because they started having these conversations. Totally. They got Meryl. They, like, floated it as, like, if we were to do a season two, would you? Like, they kind of just started that. And then it just. It snowballed. Yeah. Also, Reese had a friend, a male friend, that said that these women deserve their stories to be told beyond what was the first season. That there's more here to unpack. And that really resonated with Reese. I don't agree. Okay. <laughs> I like, I mean, I get what they're saying, but I think that you can tell these like very complicated female stories embodied by these characters through others, through other like production and other TV shows and other movies. Here's what, how I interpreted that statement. I think we see a lot of bullshit television about men. And they produce stuff to produce stuff because it's successful. And, and I about think, women. Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, all of it went on for way too fucking long. Wow. Burning bridges. But I do if we think, can just skip into that. But I do think that, I mean, when we talked about this originally, I'm on the same team as I was before of like, if we could get something, why not try? Mm. I'll go see 10 Sex in the City movies. I don't care if they're garbage. You throw those women on screen together, I want to go and see them. You know what I mean? Yes. So this is how I feel about this cast. I, for the purposes of this episode, will agree. Because Do you think they will make more Sex in the City movies? No. Kim Cattrall is like, absolutely not. Can't we replace her? <laughs> <laughs> My jaw just hit the what if table. She, all right. I can't even believe Erin Elizabeth Bagwell. 
I can't even believe you would fucking suggest we don't have <laughs> Samantha Jones. That's you're right. It would be wrong. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, wow. I need to just take a breath before we get into the rest of this episode. I mean, moving right along. I will say when season two started um, and the first, so they open with, uh, it's really beautifully edited. They open with a big recap of like what season one was all about. Then it goes seamlessly into the theme song. But the first mom you see driving to work is Meryl. Mm. And I was like, give the people what they want off the top and just show her on screen. And I loved that they know their audience so well. I was screaming. I was screaming when the theme song started. And we see Meryl. We see Reese. We see Renata. I like how I only used Laura Dern's character name for her. But um, love, love, loved it. And then I loved the shot of them walking along the beach together. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can see these women on screen till the day I die and not get sick of them. Sorry, back on board. Season two is off to a weird start for me. It's off to a choppy start for me. because I... I don't know what the story is yet. I just hit the microphone nodding my head. We nodded our heads so right hard we smacked the microphone. Say. Can't. Oh my God, that is the moment. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what we're doing. I'm, I'm gonna, I, I a thousand percent agree with you. I am here for these women. I am interested. Um, I want to see Meryl scream at everyone. Forever. I have a lot of predictions about her character. However, I am very nervous that we're going to stay in this lie of last season, which is kind of because I was reading some interviews with David E. Kelly and he's like, we're going to explore the, 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 what it comes after and the, and I was like, I don't care about that. I need a new story. Yeah. I don't care. And I think that's my biggest problem. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't need a ton of resolution for these women because I think after you kill someone, there probably isn't a lot of resolution. We're just going to tiptoe around the action of last season is not a way to do this season. No. And I will say, you know, it can influence whatever this story is. Right. I think also what they're doing with Meryl Streep's character, and they will, I want like giant caveat to all of my notes about this. I trust Reese Witherspoon so implicitly that if there was not a story to tell, she would not be making this show. Mm-hmm. And so I will say that while I'm kind of struggling now that we're two episodes in, will be three episodes by the time this episode, air- by the time this episode airs, I will say that I am struggling with, the character of Meryl Streep, as much as I love seeing her on screen and I love seeing her be so mean to Reese Witherspoon's character. And like, I love all of that dynamic. Mm-hmm. I don't know what she's here for. And it's, she's very one dimensional for a show that portrays very complicated women. Interesting. One dimensional because she's harping on the death of her son or define one dimensional for me. She's just blocking everything Nicole Kidman tries to do. She's blocking everything that Madeline tries to do. And she is just like a martyr to what happened to her son. Mm -hmm. And two episodes in, I'm not seeing a lot of movement with her and I'm not seeing any, she hasn't done anything yet where I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. It's like very predictable. And 
I'm thinking about the scene in episode two, and I know I'm about I'm an, I'm an episode ahead of you, but the scene where her and Nicole Kidman are talking, and Nicole Kidman said, "Yeah, he used to beat he used to beat me. Like we had a very abusive relationship." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Not my Perry. Like I just don't believe that. I don't believe he would ever do that to you." And it's kind of coming. This conversation is happening in the context of the two kids beating on each other. The twins are like super abusive to each other, and Nicole Kidman's really worried about it. And Meryl Streep is, you know, blinders on. Perry could do no wrong. There's no way this is related. This is like something that we're going to just have to figure out. Uh, Whereas Nicole Kidman is trying to like put some context to it. And I just, it's an important scene, I think, because they want to show that women don't always support other other, don't always support other women. But also I was like, this feels so rudimentary. They would have had this, like, I just didn't believe it because I'm like, she so, knows. So I think that Meryl abused Perry. 100%. Yeah. And I, so I think that maybe they need to establish her denial in the violence that is histor- as a historical part of their family. I thought she was going to hit one of the twins. Mm-hmm. And that's how we were now going to bring her into the fold of all this. Right. When the two kids are like beating on each other on the deck, I thought she was going to go out and just like smack one of them. Uh-huh. But it actually turns out that Nicole Kidman does that, mm. which I thought was an interesting, again, like these little, it's like dropping breadcrumbs of to, as to like what's going to actually happen, I feel. But I don't know. I just don't know which way we're going in. Mm. It's, making me, it's making me nervous. Yeah, that's interesting. I, you know, I, I, I think they'll do right by Meryl. You know, I'm holding space, but I hear what you're saying, and I do worry because we're in this weird place where we're kind of still focused on the past, which is not a super driving storyline. I just don't want Meryl's only use on this show to be finding out what really happened to Perry because that's not a payoff. That is not something I care about her finding out, and it's not something that I think would... Well, we don't care about justice for Perry. No. We're not... We don't care at all. I don't care at all, and I think what will be interesting. Obviously, Jane, Shailene Woodley's character, is feeling very guilty about the whole thing. I think, obviously, Zoe Kravitz is really struggling with the whole thing. And I think that Meryl is going to sniff out that guilt and latch onto those two, or one of the two, and exploit it and, like, be that, kind of make it that way. Because she's never going to crack Madeline and she's never going to crack Renata. No. Um, but I, th- I don't know. I just think it's going to be... How long is this season? Do we know? It's it wasn't a long first season, so yeah. I don't imagine I we it's have like eight or nine episodes probably. Yeah, I think we're really there's a we're lot diving, that has to happen. We're diving in. I hear you though. It is ner- a little nerve wracking. The Meryl of it all, although she's doing a great job. Well, the woman doesn't do a bad job. No, she doesn't. She does not do bad work. She can be in the worst movie of all time and still make it an Oscar winner. Yeah. I don't know. Um, what do you think about what's happening with Reese Witherspoon? Where, where is Madeline Miller at? Madeline McKenzie Miller. That's a great question. Because I feel like she's floundering a little bit too. And I'm just mm. kind of like, is getting your kid to go to college going to be the biggest payoff here? Because like, I don't care about that either. It's just a bunch of stuff I just don't care about. Well, I will say, you know, one of the reasons that I like when female friendships are depicted on screen 
is because there's it adds a complicated dynamic to when a story or plot is established because you get to see an idea or a problem or a thought from four or five or six different. And my fear sometimes with shows like these is when they don't have that central um, anchor yeah. to keep them all revolving around yeah. and dancing around and interacting with each other. Because then it becomes these, in, and girls kind of lost the way, you know, after season one, too. It's like, then they all start doing their own thing, and yeah. it becomes less interesting. Right, I want to like, see the dance. Totally. And I fear that, like, you're right. It's hard to get involved when they're dancing by themselves. Yeah, I think that, well, the school. And they're still talking, sorry, to keep, just to nope, finish this thought, is they're still, you know, bringing up the affair. Like, we're still talking about what happened last season. We need new information. I need new information. Mm-hmm. And I think that the school is obviously the central point through which all these characters come. It's the coffee shop. It's the place where all these characters come together and this is where they interact. But even still, I think that, and we're only two episodes in, so like caveat of love, maybe this, all of this is coming and we need to be a little bit more patient. But we had the drop off in the first episode where Renata is like, my kid's not going to get beat up again. Don't let that happen. And they're all kind of friendly. I'm not going to say they're friends, they're, but they're all friendly with each other. And I don't love that dynamic. I mm. loved when Renata was calling. Attention. I loved it. I love when Madeline, or when Renata's calling Madeline Madeline and she's like just undercutting every single person. I love Nicole Kidman and Zoe Kravitz kind of being low-key friends, but not totally allowed to be friends because she's, you know, right. allied with Madeline. Madeline just making all the snarky comments to all the teachers makes me so... I love seeing bad women. And this Mm. is something that this show really satisfies for me is like it's like a show of Cersei's it's like a show where I'm telling you you could be a Real Housewives fan oh I think (laughs) I'm starting to understand what you mean because I'm I love it like I watch it with Omer and he's just like oh my god I fucking hate Renata and I'm like yes but like I love her yeah I love her so deeply because she's so awful Mm -hmm, women mm -hmm. never get to be awful yes Oh, I'm seeing what you're doing with this now. I'm yeah, seeing how this you're is the Real Housewives 101, baby. They are awful. They're drunk. They're all single in their 50s and 60s. It's outrageous. <laughs> yeah. And I love what they've done in episode two where Reese Witherspoon's kids know more than Ed. Poor Ed. Yeah, let's talk about the men in this series. Oh, yeah. Is there a lot to talk about? There isn't. And I love that. Yeah. Um, Ed, who is played by Adam Scott, who we love so deeply. Yeah, he, he kind of er- creeps me out in this series. A hundred percent. There's Remember, a Remember, I thought he was going to go after the daughter last season. Well, you and me both, sister. We Ooh. thought that that was coming. And now she's moving back into the house. So I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I don't like that together. Do you think he's going to stick the landing on his threat for divorce? No. I don't think so either. I don't think so. But I do think he's going to. I feel like she's like the his anchor to their to that entire world and their entire world. He makes the money. It doesn't matter. Okay. I feel like he doesn't have any social like, do you know what I mean? There's so he's much an outlier for sure. Yeah. There's so much more when you're in that kind of orchestration. I don't know. It's hard to say, but I don't think so. Um, I thought for a long time him and Zoe Kravitz were going to have a thing. What? 
Yeah, because he like scopes her out at oh, yoga, yoga class. I need to rewatch the entire first series. I think I'm going to do it because, mm. oh, my God, it's like one big movie. It's like one big juicy movie. You could watch this season and then go back and watch all of it. Mm. I might do that. To really keep it in the flow. <laughs> keep it in that Monterey Bay flow. Yeah. Um, I could watch B-roll of Oceans forever. I mean, the way they're shooting it is just. It's gorgeous. And it looks like that in real life. And- I went to Big Sur last fall and I was like, oh. Stunning. Literally looks exactly like the TV show. I've been to Monterey once. Yeah. For Ted Women. It's a weird little place. Yeah, it is. Um, how they're using Alexander Skarsgård is brilliant. Having him just be like this menacing physical force on screen that kind of pops in in mm. a scary way. When they're all standing in the police lineup and he comes out of the darkness. And then Nicole Kid, it's like a nightmare Nicole Kidman is having. I loved seeing him. I love how they're using him. How we don't really get to hear him, but it's like he's just physically he's present. Just everyone. <sighs> I like that a lot. Dark. Um, Renata's husband lost all their money and is currently fucking up. And I don't really care about him. But I don't either. I don't. Think I don't we're care meant about to. his trains. No. I don't. I don't really want to see him at all, honestly. Yeah, I do like their dynamic though, where she's very abusive toward him, and he just kind of. I don't know. I think there's a lot to come there. And I hope that Ren- I hope Renata is the person that moves that plot forward, not the husband, because I like her very much. It seems to be that she will. Yeah, I trust that that's going to happen. I love the it- first episode where she's like doing a power stance and she's like, women don't do any power stances. <laughs> she's like in that glittery blazer. and Her husband's like, what are you doing? She's like, we're doing a photo shoot. He's like, I thought you're going to be at the desk. She was like, we needed another location. <laughs> It was amazing. She's singing Diana Ross. Oh, it's my house and I live here. It's so good. It oh, is good. I got chills just thinking She's about it. great. But yeah, Ed, I think Ed is, I can't decide if we're going to make Ed the straight man through which all the craziness kind of circles around. I don't think so. Or think if he's, he's going to go straight crazy. He's crazy. He is crazy though, isn't he? I don't think so. I don't hmm. think he is crazy. I think I he's a little he not okay. He was on the fringes the first season. What was with the whole interaction he had with the woman with the fake boobs at the grocery store? Yes. Is she coming back or is that just to show a little bit of depth to his character? Good question. I don't know what we're going to, I don't know what we're using Ed for. Mm. And his whole interaction with the ex-husband is also very hilarious and fun to watch. Yeah. The Ken doll that is Madeline's ex-husband. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I love Zoe Kravitz's house. Oh, my God. So many plants. So many plants. So much wood. It's beautiful. Big backyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Um, Yeah, I think the men on this show. Are happy to be there. Are happy to be there. They're not, they're not doing anything that they don't need to be doing. I think that they're just serving their role. Agreed. Although Ed is now divorcing Madeline, so that's a very big push yeah but is he i don't know i don't know how that's gonna go (laughs) so much to think about for the season i know you're very i guess i guess i'm hoping that things like you said we're we're in we're fresh we'll get a new episode very soon but i wonder i'm nervous about this plot because of that interview i read with david e kelly where he says that we're really going to explore this lie situation and what it does to people and we're going to go deeper and it's like i don't want to do any of that so i'm hoping 
that we will spiral around something or because if we're going to do an extension of season one, I'm a little nervous. Yeah, this is kind of why I didn't want it to happen. Right. Because it's like, I think in a way what he's suggesting is they're going to like humanize all these women. And I don't necessarily need that to happen. I wonder if because we both assumed that Meryl's character was going to be the abuser, I wonder if it's going to come to light that Nicole is really going to be the one who was. Do you know what I'm saying? No. Tell me more. Well, I think because we both were like, oh, Meryl is, you know, abused Perry. So now Perry is an abuser. And we have this whole like we have this pre-notion and this pre-narrative of what this is. But having Nicole you know, kind of be the one who was aggressive towards her children. Um, I wonder if it's going to, if we're going to unpack their relationship a little bit more, because she's holding on to a lot of guilt too, which is not uncommon for survivors, but maybe we'll see that she had more. She was actually the one who's physically abusive and right. he like just played into it. Could be, Yeah, I mean, it could both be a, wow. a relationship where they're both, but I wonder if it was her, maybe it's her history and we're misplacing this. Oh, you just said a mouthful there. I think that could totally be coming. And that could also be why she's feeling a lot of guilt about his death because she might know her hand in it Yeah, is maybe heavier. Yeah. <gasps> I don't know. That's a great point. She's like been gaslit to the point where she's like now thinks that it was all him, but really it's like they were doing it together. And in some ways it was like manifesting from her side more so. Maybe. How? Because you have to wonder, too, with the boys, you know, and children, as Gwyneth Paltrow says, are on your Wi-Fi. Wow. So, you know, there's an energy there that they're definitely going to continue to unpack, it seems. Children are on your Wi-Fi. Yeah. (laughs) They are in the strangest ways. I like you're kind of wearing a Gwyneth Paltrow shirt right now. Am I? It's like a little masculine, but it's very soft. Mm. I feel like that's her style. Okay. You look very Gwen today. Going very, into the goop offices. Very goop. Oh my god, I love it. Um, any you're other- doing a middle part? That's probably where you're pulling it from. Aren't you always middle part? No. Really? I never do a middle part. Now I'm questioning everything I've ever seen about <laughs> you. I feel like think about I it. I would have said you do a middle part, but maybe I not. I never do. Do you like it? Are you loving it? Well, now that I don't have bangs, yeah, I can middle part. When I didn't have bangs, then we did a side situation. I think it is the middle part in the combination with the blouse that is definitely giving me goop vibes. Mm -hmm. You dress very well for this episode. You're very on theme. You know, I'm, I'm coming. I'm showing up. (laughs) You look great too today, Kent. You as well. Everyone's beautiful on this feminist Wednesday. Yep. Um, let's make predictions for season two. What do we want to see happen? We haven't even talked about Shailene Woodley working at the aquarium. Do we care about that either? Nope. <laughs> and I will say, I loved the conversation. So it comes out that Madeline's kids, Madeline's youngest daughter, told Ziggy and uh, oh. Celeste's twins They're that on they your share Wi-Fi. the same father. <laughs> and it's real upsetting. I mean, as all things are uncovered in this show, I just feel like they come with a bang when they actually happen. Um and Jane has to have this really thoughtful and intentional conversation with him about abuse and about the circumstances under which he was conceived. Mm. And I thought that was revolutionary to show on television. 
100%. I was really blown away that they included that scene and Ziggy um, gets it like as much as he can. And I think that something I really love that they do with him is that he's so emotional, mm-hmm. but he's so um, he's so grounded. He, like he gets what's happening around him in a way that I think a lot of kids don't. They're on your Wi-Fi. Unless they're on your Wi-Fi. Um and I, I just, I thought that was a really profound thing to include a scene of, which they could have totally just skipped over and not had. Um, but I think it's kind of diving into this further conversation that the Me Too movement was a part of, that Time's Up tried to spur, is like bringing men into conversations around consent and around sexualized violence and around like, it has to be both parties who are a part of these conversations and we have to talk to young men about it. And I think that that was really um, a cool thing to include. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a storyline I'm interested in. The yeah. families yeah. navigating it together. Yeah. Because that, that is very complicated and very nuanced and and very interesting. Well, and I, takes a lot of energy, I think, from the women to figure out how to set the tone and the energy and the compassion for one another for they're both unique experiences. So that's that's something. Well, I think we saw a little bit of that when Jane and Celeste go for drinks in the first episode. And Jane is saying, you know, I, aren't you mad at me that, like, I slept with your husband? And, like, right. I didn't know he was your husband. But aren't you pissed off that, like, yeah. I... Holding s- space for some kind of yeah, discomfort. Yeah, like, she's like, I'd be so mad at you. And Celeste is, like, floored because it never even dawned on her to be mad about this. And she's like, absolutely not. Like, mm-hmm. what do you... You were raped by my husband. I No, I'm not yeah. mad at you for, like, sleeping with... Like, what? And I think you're starting to see the... You're starting to see, like, Shailene Woodley's character holding a lot of guilt mm-hmm. and a lot of space and a lot of, like, almost, like uncertainty about her whole role in this and you're seeing Celeste go through the process of grieving and around you know she's such a Celeste is such a feminist and I think it would be a very cool thing as you mentioned about her character to like make her the abuser and make her like the the bad seat at the at the core of their relationship yeah I worry about that a little bit, as I had said it, because I do think her character is so deeply important to victims. Yeah. And I think she has been doing a lot of activist work around holding space. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's possible for them to really do a switcheroo for the show. It would be interesting to see how women react to that. Yeah. Because that would be a hard thing, I think, to to come to fruition. It would as almost a be like a placing blame thing. Which I'm not sure they want to get into. I know they don't want to get into. It'd just be hard to watch because I think we don't get a lot of characters where we can really, where we see victims survive and they thrive and even like her getting the apartment. And I could see being someone who really wanted to, you know, look up to somebody in that situation and take the grace and the strength that she had in that and, you know, with the fam- I mean, it's so complicated, so it would be very interesting if they decided to to go in that direction, although I don't know if that would really serve the audience per se, but who knows? She is really holding guilt for something that I don't think we know yet. Mm. And I think this is something that's coming out through her therapy scenes. And the nightmares. And, and the nightmares. Oh, my God. Can we talk about the line at the end of episode one? 
Oh, when Meryl's like, who are we going to kill? I died. What are we talking about? Who are we going to kill? Perry. He's dead. I know, but she's reliving his death. I don't know. I don't know. What don't you know? What do you mean they're going to kill Perry? I think that she's reliving that night over and over and over. Uh Uh-huh. And so I think that she's like, and I think maybe like justifying in her brain the death, killing him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, so you think Meryl's trying to get her to confess? Yes. Holy Like, oh, who are we going to kill? Who's, who, you know what I mean? Oh, like like a child, like the way you kind of like coax it out of a kid. Of like, what's going on? What did he say to you? Da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, of course. Wow. It like. That's how I read that. Sent me into a state of shock because it's like. Do you think she was talking about somebody else? No, it was just, it's it's borderline breaking the fourth wall. Like I almost felt like it was, we're going along in this dreamy, uh, you know how Big Little Lies just flows mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's the ocean shots and like it's just all very kind of what's not being Mystical. said mm-hmm. is what pushes the plot forward. Yeah. Nobody talks about anything on the nose. It's like all s- subtext and um, you really have to read between the lines. But I just felt like that line was so pointed and so on the nose. It like almost broke the show for me. Like I was like, mm. it's like almost felt like breaking character. Like I was like, what? What are we talking about? that totally makes sense. She's like trying to coax it out of her. Yeah. I mean, that's the only reason she's there, right? Yeah, it is. And now she's going to get an apartment, like be there forever. Kill me. (sighs) Mary Louise, you got to go. Wow. That's a lot. It's a lot. That's a lot. I love her banter with um, Reese Witherspoon. And I think it's very intentional too, that she's trying to divide Reese and Nicole. A hundred percent. Yeah. Separate, keep her weak. Yeah. Separate her from her friends. Separate the weak ones from the herd. I don't think that Reese is breakable, though. I think it's either going to be Jane or Zoe. Is that what we're going to do this whole season is try to break these women? That's what I mean. It's like, I hope not. I wonder if there's a scene coming between Mary Louise and Ed where Ed's like, nobody fucking clues me in on anything. And then they have to talk (laughs) about everything. (laughs) Ed doesn't need any more space in this show. Pray for Ed. Although they were saying, I'm sorry I keep referencing this David E. Kelly interview, but he also said that they didn't, he didn't feel like they really got into Zoe's character. They don't. There's a huge thing in the book that they haven't even touched on. So they're really interested in diving deeper into her background and where she comes from. And well, because she comes from a history of abuse, which is why she was able to recognize what was happening between Skarsgård and Kidman. Mm. So that's why at the Gala, she notices their dynamic in a way. Did you read the book? Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they haven't even touched on that. I'm not sure I'm ready to shift a lot of focus to her, though. I think we didn't want this season, but we're just showing up. We're showing up. Um, We're hoping for the best. We are. I trust Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman wherever they want to take me. I'll be there. We're with it. Yes, we are. Any other predictions? Anything you want to, any like wish list items that you hope they get into this season? I'm nervous about Shailene Woodley's character being more, I feel like in the beginning, you know, the first season's like it's her perspective. She's new to the world. She was our, she was the audience essentially. And I liked that, that she kind of had this role and these women are revolving around and then she's getting into the mud with them and the whole thing. Now I feel like this season is, I'm struggling to f- to find out who we're who we're following, mm-hmm. 
Um, and I wish that they would have, that they would go back to that a bit. Yeah. Um, cause I feel like without that, she's not that important. Mm-hmm. No, she's definitely the outlier. She's like not the one who, I think Renata is also a bit of an outlier, but she's such a strong bad guy. Like she's such a villain that that's how, that's her role. But she doesn't need, she's so poignant that she doesn't need all the space on screen. Like exactly. she can pop in for a frame and we know everything we need to know. Yeah. Yeah, whereas Shailene is still a bit of a question mark. Exactly. Yeah. And it was okay when she, her role was to be the question mark for all of us. Right. But now. Right. I think yeah. I have more concerns than hopes, really. I mean, we'll just keep it rolling. We'll keep it coming. We'll discuss it on Beaver Talk. Yeah. Instagram, I mean. Betty's, I'd love to know what you think of this season. Tell us your faves. Tell us a story you're interested in you know, your favorite Meryl quote, whatever it may be. I'd love to know what people are thinking and feeling about this. Yep. DM us. Let us know. We're going to be posting about it. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll keep keep chatting about it as uh, the season unfolds. Love it. Any other final notes? No. For I the think, gals? I think we're just, we're watching closely. Yeah. And if it's, you know, 42 more discs, we'll be here for it. So here we go. Aaron's got it. <laughs> okay. Happy Feminist Wednesday. Happy Feminist Wednesday. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!